I need to take courage. I need to take courage. I need to take courage with my finances. Remember that God is my provider and trust that he can make a way. I need to take courage to be vulnerable with those that care most and be open to those around me. I need courage to trust God with provision for a new home for my family, even when it seems impossible. I need to take courage to face the uncertainty surrounding my career, trusting that the Lord is with me and has a plan for my life. I need to take courage to start the business I've been dreaming of and leap into the unknown. I need to take courage to prioritize my spiritual health, to explore faith, and to give church another chance. Welcome to Cross Point, and we are glad that you are with us today, whether you're with us online or with us in person at one of our campuses. Uh, we want to help you take courage this year. And when I think of that phrase, take courage, I think of a story um, from back in uh, 1984 when you uh, two put out the song In the Name of Love, and uh, they put that song out, and maybe some of you remember, some of you weren't born, uh, but, but some of you remember, and, uh, and remember that uh, well, that song was about, um, it was about Martin Luther King Jr., and it was actually written as sort of this anthem um, as the holiday to kind of establish the holiday of Martin Luther King Jr., Day and so uh, so that song was put out and you two they sang that song in every con that I means just over and over in every concert that they did that year they sang that song until uh, until one day Bono who's lead singer of you two um, received a letter and the letter was from a white supremacist that said if you play that song in the city that I live in um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a bullet um, in your head. And, uh, and so he received that letter. And if you know anything about um, YouTube, you know that they are about, um, about justice issues and they're people of faith. And so they received that letter and, uh, and they sat down together as a band and with management and they had a conversation. And, uh, and everybody was saying that, um, that, that we shouldn't do the song. I mean, just too much is at risk for us to do the song, so we shouldn't do the song. So everybody was saying that except for Bono. And, uh, and Bono reminded, Bono reminded the the group, he reminded them why they wrote the song and, and what they were about. And so that night, um, they sang the song. And in an interview later on, Bono said that when he stepped up to sing that song that night, he thought, this may be the last song I ever sing in my life. And so he stepped up to sing the song. And he said he just closed his eyes to sing the song. And as he, as he closed his eyes and he began to sing, he said he just began to sing. He sang longer and longer and longer. And he was wondering what's going on. And he, he gets almost all the way through the song, and he opens up his eyes, and he realizes that the different members of the band have been taking turns standing in front of him. I remember when I came across that story, I mean, just something, just so I was like, man, that, that's a good story. Like, that's an amazing story, and why does it resonate with us? And I think it's because of courage. I think, I think, I think we all want to be a part of a band like that. Like, we all want to be a part of a band like that where people, well, we all want to be a part of you too. That sounds good. But uh, we all want to be a part of a band like that where people would be willing to take a bullet for us. And we want to be a part of a cause that's great enough that we would be willing to lay down our life for it. Like that's, that's courage. What a picture of courage. I think about um, a couple weeks ago, 
had the opportunity to go to, to, to Malta. And if you don't know where Malta is, don't worry, I was in the club before I went. But Malta is a tiny little country off the coast of Sicily. And my son Bolton and I, uh, he's 13, we went, to, we went to Malta. It was for a missions conference with a, uh, with a group who is, uh, who is focused on the uh, 1040 window. And uh, they're a mobilizing group, and they, they send out missionaries and mobilize missionaries. And so they all, they all met in, in Malta. And so we went, went there. That was a place that Paul got shipwrecked in, uh, in Acts chapter, chapter 27 and so 26. And, and so, we, uh, so Bolton and I went. It was, it was I mean, it was a, it was a bro trip. And Bolton is a great travel partner. He's one of the best. I travel like a toddler. I get distracted easily, and I kind of want. And so when we were leaving, Ree was like, don't take your eyes off him. I think she was talking to Bolton, not taking his eyes off me. But we, we made it to Malta, and we just had, we had this in, in, incredible time together. But the group that we were with focuses on, on missionaries in that, in that 1040 window. In the 1040 window, if you're not familiar, uh, 95% of the people who live in the 1040 window are unreached and unreached people groups. It's like 3.24 billion people who have never heard the gospel, nor would they have any way to hear the story of Jesus, even if they wanted to. And so this group that we are with is focused on reaching and, and mobilizing and sending missionaries to the 1040 window. And as we were, we were gathered there, uh, there, was this, there was this moment we were, we were having one of the devotion time and had some time to, to teach and and uh, in one of those morning sessions, we went out and we were out over the Mediterranean. We went out on this rooftop over in the hotel that we were in. We were gathered and went out on the rooftop and we just sang outside and we worshiped together. This group of about 50, we just sang and we worshiped together. And it was, it was amazing. But there was a lady who, uh, who said that that was the most impactful time of the, of the trip. We said, why was it impactful? And, and she said, because um, I could sing freely. And see, for, for them, when, when they gather, they wonder, like, will we be arrested? Um, will this cost us our freedom? Will this cost us our, our lives? Like, when we come to church, we wonder, like, am I going to get a parking place? Is somebody going to be in my seat? My seat? You know, we wonder, we wonder, like, is there going to be cream for the coffee? They're wondering, like, am I going to go to jail? And what's going to happen with my, with my family for, for worshiping? And what happened when we got around those people is that, is that the level of courage just rise. What I learned in Malta is that courage is contagious. Courage is contagious. I mean, I'd lay there in bed at night, like at 3 a.m., and I'd lay there, and I'd look up, because I was jet-lagged, and I'd look up at the ceiling, and I'm just, I'm laying there, would I be willing to do this? Would I be willing to, to, to lay down my life for the gospel, to travel with some unreached people? Would I be willing to give it all up to go and follow God in that call? I just, and, and what I realized in that moment is that, is that we all have a call on our lives. And it doesn't do us so good to compare courage with others. The point of courage is not to compare it, it's to have it in whatever step we need to take. See, we're all, not all of us are called to go across the world on missions. Some of us are called to go across the world, but not all of us are called, but all of us are called to have courage in the mission of God that he's called us to. God has a calling on your life. You are on this planet on purpose and for a purpose. God has put you here and he wants to give you the courage to take the step that he has for you. It takes courage. It takes courage to step out and to serve other people, and to use your spiritual gifts in ways that serve others. That's why we have, that's why we have Connecting at Crosspoint. That's why we've got this opportunity for you, and it's going on at all of our campuses today, a way to help you find your place and your purpose here at Crosspoint. If you want to sign on and be a part of that today, you can go out and stop out at the Info Center, get more information. If you're not able to be a part of it today, um, then you can, uh, you can go to your Facebook page, your campus-specific Facebook page, and sign on. But it takes courage to take that next step. It takes courage to confess sin. 
It takes courage to confess sin to other people. It takes courage to admit you're wrong. It takes courage to, it takes courage to, to stand up for somebody who's being bullied. It takes courage to, to not laugh at, at a joke. <laughs> at something that you go, man, that, I don't need to be laughing at that. It takes courage to shut down gossip. It takes courage to share your faith. It takes courage to, to admit when you're struggling and when you need help for addiction. It takes courage to, to get out of an abusive relationship or to, or to start with a new friend group. It takes courage to be the first person in the room to raise your hands and worship. It takes courage to, to pray out loud. It takes courage to, to do the right thing at work regardless the, the cost or what the consequences might be. It takes courage to, to go public with your faith and be baptized. It takes courage to start a new job. It takes courage to leave the old one. It takes courage to write a book. It takes courage to start a podcast. It takes courage to write a song. It takes courage to invite a friend to church. It takes courage to move to a new city. It takes courage to go back into an old city with a new calling and a new mission, a new purpose. It takes courage. Courage is contagious. But you know what else is contagious? Discouragement. If you want to be discouraged, don't worry. There are a lot of people who would love to help you with that. You can tell who they are. Their face looks like Lamentations. And they have a Twitter account. Like there, there, there are many people who want, to, who want to help you with discouragement in life. And discouragement is deadly. Whenever, whenever somebody blows up their lives, discouragement lit the fuse. I had a man who told me one time, he said, he said, Kevin, he said, your number one job as a leader is stay encouraged. Your number one job as a parent, your number one job as an employer, your number one job as a human is to stay encouraged because discouragement is deadly. Here's what he said. He said, he said, discouragement is the anesthetic the enemy uses just before he carves out your heart, wrecks your marriage, destroys your relationship with your kids, fractures friendships, and ruins your career. The number one job that you have as a leader is to stay encouraged. And that word courage, the Latin word courage um, means heart. And so to encourage someone is to actually put heart into them. And what I love, one of the things I love about Jesus is that he walks around and he looks for people who are discouraged and are tired and are weary and confused and frustrated. And he puts courage into them. He says over and over in the scriptures, he says, take courage, take courage. And Jesus gives his heart to other people. He encourages them. And so my prayer for you today is that you would receive his courage. And Jesus, his courage is contagious. And Jesus is the most courageous person to ever live. And I'm wondering, well, if Jesus is the most courageous person to ever live, and if courage is contagious, why is it that so many Christians are risk averse? Why is it that so many people who call themselves followers of Jesus hold on to security and, and, and hold back from taking risk? And I think it has something to do with this, this quote from Rollo May, which is a great name, but he was a psychiatrist. And his name was Rollo May, and I love Rollos. And here's what, here's what he says. He says, the opposite of courage in our society is not cowardice, it is conformity. The, the opposite of courage in our society is not cowardice, it's conformity, it's blending in. It's looking like everybody else. And what is this? This is fear. It's fear of man. It's fear of rejection. It's fear of what other people might think. It's conformity. 
It's just being like everybody else who, who has no idea where they're going, no idea why they're doing it, no idea where they're headed, no idea their purpose, and blending in with other people. It's settling for the status quo. It's conforming to the image of this world. And that's why Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, he says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. What Paul is saying, he's saying, if we live our lives conforming to the world around us, we will never fulfill our God-given purpose and goal. It doesn't come by letting the world cram us in its world, in its mold. The world would love to cram you in its mold, but you were meant for more. You were made for more. God put his spirit inside of you. You were creating the image of God, and God has a unique plan and purpose for your life, but it won't come by settling for the world's agenda. God has more for you. He has made you for more than being crammed in the images of the world. He said, Paul said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let God give you new thoughts. Let God renew your way of thinking. Take on the mind of Christ. That we wouldn't be conformed, but that we'd be transformed, that we would have the mind of Christ, that we would have the life of Christ, that, that we would be made more like Christ. And it's in that, by thinking God's thoughts after him, that we have a different kind of life that we live the life that he has for us. And so today I wanna, I wanna encourage you with the scriptures, it's in uh, Matthew chapter 14. I want us to look at a story Annie taught last week and she taught about taking courage by reaching out and touch the hem of his garment, taking courage where Jesus says to that woman, take courage. We're gonna look at where he says, take courage to the disciples today. And uh, Matthew chapter 14, if you've got a Bible, you can turn there with me, and, uh, and we're going we're gonna to look, and this is going to be a story about taking courage. It's going to be a story about taking risk. It's going to be a story about bold faith. It's also going to be a story about discouragement. So if, you ever, if you're feeling discouraged today, you're in the right place. Maybe you're feeling a little desperate today, you're in the right place. Maybe you're feeling, maybe you're feeling a little confused, and a little frustrated in life. Maybe you feel stuck today, and then you, there's this belief that there's got to be more than what I'm experiencing right now. There has to be more than what's going on in my life. My prayer today is that this passage would encourage you how it's encouraged me. We're going to find some real practical and powerful truths that we can uh, download into our lives. Matthew chapter 14, pick up in verse 22. It says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. And while he sent the crowds away, after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. It says immediately, it starts out with immediately. Well, immediately after, well, immediately after what? Well, if you rewind the tape and roll back, you find that Jesus just, he just fed 5,000 people, over 5,000 people with some kids sack lunch. I mean, it's a really incredible miracle when you go back and look at it. Jesus, he, he feeds, and, and he would prefer to use in and out but they didn't have one in Galilee yet. But we got one coming to Tennessee. Y'all thought California was moving here before. Just wait. in and out was the only thing holding them back. They're coming. Like, what's that spike in housing prices? in and out so he would rather use that, but he had to settle for Captain D's, okay? So he had some kids, number three, Captain D meal with some fish and chips. And so the kid offers it up to Jesus. Jesus feeds the 5,000, and it's a, it's a miracle. And the disciples, like, they picked up 12 baskets full, and it was just everybody's going crazy. It, was, it would be like winning the national championship 65 to 7. This is just an incredible <laughs> moment. The crowds are amazed. 
And when you go back and look at the story, you see that not only were they amazed, the disciples got to pick up baskets full. Like they got every, all the disciples got to be a part of the miracle. And it says that the, John tells us that the crowd wanted to take Jesus king by force. Why? Like we want him to be king. I mean, he's like, we're getting in on that Panera ministry. Like we want, we want the guy who can feed us. But it says Jesus, he turned away the crowds. See, Jesus knew that his calling was more than political aspiration. See, Jesus knew that they didn't want to follow him. They just want him to fix their problems. Jesus knew that they didn't want to be disciples. They just wanted, they just wanted a free meal and freedom from the Romans. And so Jesus turned the crowds away. Listen, it takes courage to turn the crowds away. You can't live your life based on, you can't crowdsource your identity. Don't live your life for the polls. People are fickle. The same crowd that declared Jesus as king on Thursday wanted him on cross on Friday. If you live for the praise of men, I've heard it said, if you live for the praise of men, you'll die by their criticism. Don't live for what the crowd says of you. Your calling doesn't come from the crowd. Your calling doesn't even come from within. Your call comes from God. He has a purpose for your life, a calling on your life. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to know what God's call is. And so Jesus, Jesus sends away the crowd. He turns away the crowd, which took courage. And what does he do? He goes up on a mountainside to pray, to be alone with the Father. Jesus loved to commune with the Father. He loved to, he loved to spend time in prayer. He loved to listen. He loved to talk to God. He loved to be with God. He loved to rest in his presence, to abide in his love. Jesus loved communion with the Father. And I wrote it in my notes this way, that communion with God privately is where we get courage to live for God publicly. Communion with God privately is where we find courage to live for God publicly. And it takes courage to be alone with God. It takes courage to be alone. I think that's why a lot of us, we hate the show alone. I mean, we love it, but we hate it. The show alone where they put people alone in the wilderness somewhere and they have to live alone. You know the reason that we hate the show alone? Because we, we fear, not because of the bears, we, but we fear being alone without our phones. <laughs> like just the idea of being, unless, unless you have a two-year-old. If you have a two-year-old, that show alone sounds amazing. You're just like, yes, please, just sign me up for that. You can keep the prize money. Just let me be alone for a little while. But, but, but in, that, in, that, in the reality, is like so many of us, we fear being alone. It's why when we feel a tinge of loneliness, we, we pull out our phones. And what's crazy is we feel a tinge of loneliness and we pull out our phones so we can scroll, so we can connect with others. But then when we're actually with people, we pull out our phones. When we're in a crowd, we, we fear the rejection of looking like we're alone. So we pull out our phones so we can escape from actually connecting with other people. But at the same time, we want to escape from, escape from the sense of alone. But it's through being alone with God. That's why we find, that's where we find security that's greater than our insecurity. We find the peace that comes from his presence. It takes courage to be alone, but at the same time, being alone with God. Because when you're alone with God, you're not alone. You might feel lonely, but you're not alone. He is with you. And when you receive from his presence, you find the courage to live for God publicly. It takes courage. But it's in that place that we find conviction and we find wisdom and we find peace and we find that our minds are renewed. And so you don't have to... Here, like you don't have to spend the night alone up on a mountain. Some of you are like hard pass, hard pass by yourself. Up, um, not really the camping type. And you're like, I don't know about that. You don't have to spend the night alone in prayer. Just start with 15. 
15 minutes, 10 minutes in the morning. You're like, well, what do I do? Well, just set the, set the alarm clock a little bit earlier and don't hit snooze. And then when you get up, just spend some time. Put on, put on that same God, that worship song we say, and just play that song. And just worship God. What, what do I do? Well, just open up the scriptures, open up a psalm and just read through that psalm and make it your prayer. What do I, what do, what do, I do? Well, you can, you can just you can get up and you can take a walk, bundle up. Take a, you can take a walk. Maybe you just you, you kneel down and you, you say the Lord's Prayer and slowly move through that prayer. I, I, don't, I don't think it's so much what you do as much as it, as it is. The question is, when is the time where you send the crowds away? You know that crowd that's in your pocket on your phone. When's the time that you send the crowds away and that you're alone with him? And it's from him that we find the courage to live the life that he has for us. And so Jesus sends the crowds away. He tells the disciples, he sends the crowds away and then he tells the disciples, y'all, I need some alone time. And then he, he pulls up on the mountainside to pray and that's where we pick up in verse 24. It says, but the boat was already a long distance from the land battered by the waves for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking out on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. I love this story. It's Passover, John tells us, which means it's a full moon, full moon always at Passover, which means Jesus could see what's going on. He's up on the mountainside, he's looking out. He can see that the disciples are in a boat and they're, they're stuck, they can't, they can't go forward. The wind is in their face. It says the wind and the waves, it says the boat, the boat was battered by the waves. And so the disciples are stuck and they're, they're afraid. I'm saying, have you, have you, uh, have you ever been, been there? Have you ever felt like you were on the boat in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the storm, and you're not getting anywhere? Have you ever felt like you did the thing that God asked you to do? You did the thing Jesus asked you to do, and it just left you where you felt like you were stranded, and you've been rowing all night, and you can't get anywhere? Have you ever felt like that in life? Have you learned by now that just because you obey God doesn't mean that it's going to be storm-free? See, Jesus never promised us a storm-free life. If that, was the, if that was the bag of Christianity that you were sold, that's not true. He never promised us a storm-free life. The storms are going on. He promised that he'd be with us in the storms. And so the disciples are on the boat, and they're, they're afraid, and they're freaking out, and they can't get anywhere. And Oswald Chambers said this. He said, God is the great engineer creating circumstances to bring about moments in our lives of divine importance, leading us to divine appointments. The thing about divine appointments is a lot of the time they look like disappointments before God shows up. And so they are, they are crying out. It says that the wind and the wave, that the waves battered the boats. That, another translation of that word is the word tormented. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt tormented at 3 a.m.? you ever felt tormented by your thoughts, by your worries, by your anxieties, by your, by your fears, by the what ifs? I know I have. At 3 a.m., crying out for God. Say, God, I don't know what's going on and I don't know what to do, but it feels like, it feels like the wind is in my face and it feels like the waves are battering the boat. Have you ever cried out for God? What I want you to see here, they're in the middle of the boat and they're afraid. And what happens is Jesus comes to them. Jesus comes to them in the middle of the night, in the middle of the boat, in the middle of the lake. Jesus comes to them and he says, take courage, it is I. But they see him and they don't know it's Jesus. They think it's a what? A ghost. You know why? 
Because Thomas has been binge-watching all those shows on Netflix instead of watching The Chosen. And so he was, Thomas is freaking out. He's there, it's a ghost. And I say, we can't be too hard on them because they'd never seen God move like this before. They'd never seen, it wasn't like a party trick Jesus did. Hey, y'all watch this and walk on water. They'd never seen this. So they didn't know. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't recognize Jesus and God can be moving around us and God can be moving in our lives, but we don't recognize because we've never seen him move that way before. And so Jesus comes to them and he speaks and he says, take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. A, a literal translation, if you go back and you look, what is Jesus literally saying? He's saying, courage, I am, don't be afraid. Courage, I am, don't be afraid. I love this because we get the translation, it is I, but actually what he says is I am. And if you know, if you know, don't miss this. If you know the backstory on I am, you know that in Exodus, maybe you've heard this in Exodus chapter three, Moses, God comes to Moses. He said, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And Moses says, well, suppose I go to Pharaoh and suppose I tell him, who do I tell him sent me? And God tells, tell him I am sent. And Moses is like, I am, I am tired. I am, I am, and God's like, tell him I am. Who I am. Tell them the I am sent you. The I am. The great I am. I am the Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the Holy One of Israel. Moses, I am. This is the name of God. This is the most sacred name of God. The I am sent you. And so Moses went with that authority because he had that name. In the middle of the storm that he was in, he had that name. The name of God, God gave to him his name. And God, Jesus comes to his disciples. He says, I am. He is here. In the middle of your storm, the I am is here. The same one who, who parted the waters of the Red Sea is with you on the Galilee and is with you in your storm. This takes us back to Isaiah chapter 43. It says, do not fear. I love the scripture. It says, do not fear. They're getting to see the movie of this book that was written in the Old Testament. Isaiah 43, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your savior. Disciples there in their fear, Jesus comes to them. He says, do not be afraid. The I am is here. Take courage from the presence of God. Listen, when we realize that we have the presence of Jesus, there's no room for fear in the presence of Jesus. Perfect love casts out fear. And Jesus comes to us in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. He says, don't you give up. Don't you give up. I am with you at 3 a.m. Anybody ever woke up and seen 3 a.m. on the clock? Anybody ever um, not been to bed yet and seen 3 a.m. on the clock? <laughs> been rowing all night in your thoughts, in your mind, in your heart, trying to make things happen, trying to figure it out at 3 a.m. Say, God, I don't know what to do. I want to encourage you to be a part of that 3 a.m. choir. That 3 a.m. choir that praises in the middle of the storm. That 3 a.m. choir, you might want to get out of bed and like get away from everybody else. But to sing that song, to praise him in the middle of the storm. And when you praise him, what happens? He says, if you seek me, you'll find me when you seek with all your heart. When we praise him, we find we experience the presence of God. Just praise him at 3 a.m. and see what happens. We find faith in the midst of our fear. We find his presence in the midst of that storm. In the middle of the night, in the middle of the boat, in the middle of the lake, in the middle of our storm, he comes to us and we experience his presence. So Jesus says, take courage. And then look what happens. Peter responded. How did Peter respond? 
Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why'd you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, you are certainly God's son. And I love this story. Jesus says, take courage. And Peter's like, I'll take you up on that. Peter said, Jesus, if that's really you, tell me to come and come to you. Command me to come to you and I'll, I'll come. And Jesus said, all right, come on. And Peter steps out of the boat. It's courage. The evidence of courage is taking a step. Courage is not just to feel it, it's to take a step. Have you ever needed courage? I know Bolton did. When we were over in Malta, we had an afternoon off, and I was like, what do you want to do? And I went on TripAdvisor to see what was going on in Malta, because I didn't know a whole lot about Malta, and I found they do four-wheel, um, four-wheeler rides on another island far away. You have to take an Uber 30 minutes to take a ferry 30 minutes, and you get to this other island that I'd never been to called Gozo, and, uh, and you get to Gozo, and you can ride four-wheelers. So I thought, that's awesome, Bolton, you want to do that? He's like, sure, Dad, I trust you. And so I get, which is a dangerous thing. And so we get in, we hop on the Uber, and then we hop on the ferry, then we get to the island, and we go, and we look for a four-wheeler. And so we find a four-wheeler right when you you get off the ferry, which is kind of a sketchy kind of thing that a four-wheeler is just right there. But this guy's like, you want to ride? I was like, sure. He said, let me see your credit card. I gave him a credit card and, um, and just put a lot of faith in this whole thing. The guy was, it's kind of a sketchy deal, but that's all right. Bolton's trusting me. And so then we get, we get on. And then he said, hey, and when you ride the four-wheeler, you're not going to be on trails. You can only stay on the roads, which is, which just this wave of fear hit me because I realized that they drive on the other side of the road. In, in Malta, and I've never driven on the other side of the road. And so now I'm driving on the other side of the road in a place where I've never driven on the other side of the road. And I don't have a car and I don't have seat belts. There are no airbags. It's just me on a four-wheeler with Bolton behind me. And some of you are like, well, what'd you do? Did you, did you do it? And I was like, I mean, I had to do like the responsible thing. So yes, I said yes, and I, I signed up, and I signed on, and I did it. And as we're, as we're riding Bolton, we're walking back to Bolton, it's like, Dad, have you ever driven on the other side? I'm like, no. And like, I could just feel, he felt my fear. Fear is contagious, and, uh, but courage is contagious too. And I was like, get on some. And so we got on, and we're riding, and Bolton's holding on for dear life. And as we're riding, I'm thinking, if something happens, yeah, that's, that's who he was riding with. Can you imagine putting your trust and that Reese said, you look like mastermind. Um, and like, I was like, can you, can you imagine Bolton put his trust? He's holding on for dear life behind that guy. And I'm thinking if something happens to Bolton, like I wasn't afraid of like driving on this. I was afraid of what would happen if, if something happened to Bolton. Like, re, like we'd have to start a Malta campus. I'd have to be over there broadcasting from Malta. But it was like there was, there was, this, there was this trust that Bolton just hopped on and he, he trusted. And, and here's what I'll tell you. Um, we're not going to talk about the responsibility of that decision. Um, but what I, what I will tell you is like Bolton, had, there was just courage and he was holding on. And, and Peter wasn't putting his trust in that guy. Peter was putting his trust in Jesus. And, and he was seeing the I am, the one who created water, bending the will of the water. Natural laws, supernatural. Jesus is walking on water and he says, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come. And so what I want you to see is Peter wasn't just taking risks. He's not just riding four-wheelers in Malta. This is about obedience. And see, Peter knew that if Jesus asked him to come, that Jesus wasn't going to call him to do anything that he wasn't going to give him the grace to do. Jesus is never going to call you to do anything that he's not going to give you the grace to pull off. He's like, if Jesus called me to it, he's going to see me through it. 
What was that first step like? Did he leave his sandals on or take his sandals off? I don't know. He took the first step. What? The second step. Some of you wonder if I'm going to step off the stage. No, I'm not. But the, that was what it would The next step. And he just begins to take those steps in that faith. And in that moment, he, he and Jesus are doing something that nobody else in history has done. And they're doing something that nobody else has done since then. And he's walking toward Jesus. And then it says what? He saw the wind and the waves. He saw the white caps. Reality set in. What am I doing? Fear overwhelmed him. And what happens? He begins to sink. And he cries out for Jesus. And Jesus grabs him by the hand. And he says, tough. You got yourself into this mess. You get yourself out. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus picked him up. He rescued him. He picks him up and he's, I just say, he's a, you of little faith. Why'd you doubt? I think it was like a, um, I use like a nickname, like you little faith. You just little faith, who are you? And then they walk back to the boat. What was that walk back to the boat like? Like, did they skip? Did they hold hands? Did Jesus put his, did Jesus like walk with people like this? Did they race? Did they dance on the waves? We don't know. But they got back to the boat, and it says that the boat worshiped. And we read that story, and we're like, well, Peter failed. I don't think so, because Peter did what nobody else did in all of history. You know who I think may have felt like a failure is the other disciples in the boat. The other 11 that were like, man, we missed our chance. We missed our moment. See, the problem with conformity is it has no stories. Don't let your faith settle to the lowest status quo in the room. I'm not just talking about with the world. I'm talking about with other believers. Let faith and courage rise up in you and see if faith and courage is not contagious with others. Take the step that God has called you to. So what's the next step for you? What's the thing in your life this year? And maybe you don't have to wait until November to do it. Maybe it's a right now thing that God's calling you. And you're saying, God, if you'll give me courage, I'll take the step. What's the step for you? What's the thing that God is calling you to do? Maybe it's to step into community, start some new friendships, some relationships. Maybe it's to step in to begin to serve, to use your gifts for a purpose and a calling that's greater than you. Maybe it's to go on a mission trip, to go on a mission trip this year. Maybe it's to, to ask for prayer. It takes courage to ask for prayer. At the end of the service, we're gonna have prayer teams down front. We'd love to pray with you, but to come and say, I need prayer today. Maybe it's to begin to follow Jesus, knowing that it will, it'll cost you everything. You say, Jesus, I'm, here's what I've done with my life. I'm believing you can do a lot more. And to surrender your life to him and see what he can do in and through your life. Because in Christ, we find a band of brothers and sisters who stand with one another, stand with one another as we stand for Christ, which is a cause worth giving our lives for. It's a cause worth living for. So maybe for you today is to say yes to him for the first time. But I wanna lead you in a prayer. I wanna pray for us. And then we're gonna finish off with a, with a song that's a 3 a.m. song. And this song is, is written from God's perspective. And my prayer today is as you hear these words that you would draw courage to take the next step 
in the middle of the night, in the middle of your boat, in the middle of your storm, that you would hear these words sung over you and that you'd receive courage today to take your step. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. We thank you that you put courage in our hearts. So I pray for each person in earshot of this message. That we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but we'd be doers of the word. That we would put courage and faith into action. That we would take a step today. We just invite you, Holy Spirit, to reveal the step that Jesus, you would call us. That we would turn our eyes from the wind and waves and we would fix our eyes on you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. The Alpha and Omega, the beginner and the finisher. So would you give us courage to step out of the boat? And I pray for those today that just need a fresh deposit of courage not to give up. Just keep going. Keep trusting you. And to respond as you lead. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive this song. I see you try, though you can't see me. I know your thoughts before you even think. I've heard every last prayer you prayed, though I answered all the time. You just didn't hear my reply. I know it's not easy. Don't you give up on me. Don't you give up on me. Cause the darker the night gets, the brighter the light hits. Don't you give up on me. Don't you give up on me. You ain't seen what I promised. Child, we're just getting started. Oh, there is so much more. I'll be open when there's no way out. And I'll be your strength when your strength runs out. And if you walk into the fire, I'll be right there in the flames. I wouldn't have it any other way. Cause loving you's easy. Don't you give up on me. Don't you give up on me When the night's at its darkest It's when the light hits the hardest Don't you give up on me Don't you give up on me You ain't seen what I promised Child, we're just getting started Open your heart, open your hands, open your eyelids. I've got more dreams, I've got more plans, I've got more blessings. I've got more dreams, don't lose your faith, that's where your fight is. I've got more dreams, I've got more plans, I've got more blessings. 
I'm not afraid. 